Welcome to Troubleshooting Innovation, a commercial baking podcast. Sponsored by Reading Bakery Systems, RBS, the world's leading manufacturer of automated systems for baked snack production, continuous mixing, and oven profiling. I'm your host, Joni Spencer, Editor-in-Chief for the Commercial Baking Media Group, and I'm speaking with industry expert Dave Vanlar as we unpack all the pain points that come with innovation and product development and discover new ways to overcome them. In this episode, we are going to talk about achieving what you can't see, and that means troubleshooting the baking curve and managing variables beyond the oven. Hi, Dave. Good morning, Joni. Good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you too. So Dave, this podcast is all about troubleshooting when it comes to product innovation. So today let's talk about how the oven can impact production of a new baked good. You know, the oven is the most critical step in the process and one that really distinguishes us from other industries. You know, a lot of things are mixed, a lot of things are dried, but uh, we're pretty unique in that we run things through an oven. Number one, the first thing we need to do is know our equipment. We need to know your oven. I believe that's one of the most important aspects that's often neglected. And I know in, in my career, it was something that we just did not know how to do. We made assumptions about what was going on in the box but we did not have any devices to measure or really understand what was going on inside the box. Today, there are measuring systems, measuring tools, and they've become much more sophisticated. We can measure the temperature across the band, down the oven. We can measure air movement, moisture, and many, many other things today. So we really can understand what's going on inside the oven. So number one would be to understand that, make sure the oven is doing what you expect it to do, that there are no cold spots, no hot spots, no places where there's no air circulation. And then thinking about this, the, the more I thought about it, this is where science really comes into play during product development. This is where it really needs to be science because the chemistry involved is pretty, pretty complex. The R&D person needs to know the desired results so they can formulate accordingly. It's not just a matter of throwing a a bunch of things together and making a good product. It's something that they have to anticipate the chemical reactions in the oven. And and some of those reactions are are really significant. You know, CO2 releasing, the yeast starts swelling, the development of the amylase activity, gluten coagulation, the water to steam to get rise in the cookie or cracker or bread, Sugar carbonizes at certain levels and the mallard reactions happen. So there are a lot of things that the product development person needs to anticipate as they add ingredients. And every one of those reactions are caused by an ingredient that's put into the uh, dough that has a reaction at a certain time and a temperature. You know, we've talked um, several times throughout this podcast about the need for R&D and operations and equipment and ingredient suppliers to get involved in that product development super early. It sounds like the R&D folks and the ingredient folks really need to be considering the oven very early on. Would you say that's true? No doubt about it, Joni. I did education in a plant. They were doing a new cracker item and they had a lot of new, unique ingredients in in the item. They had to be handled in a certain way, and they had to be baked in a certain way. 
And the plant was really having a hard time getting used to that because it was so much different than their traditional baking. So it was a new mindset for them. Um, it was a new experience for them. And it's one where R&D had left again, left it to production to finish, and, and our production was still struggling with it. So let's talk about the finished product. It comes out of the oven and it's out of spec. The first assumption is to blame the oven, right? Actually, Joni, the first assumption is we blame the flour. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that's always been the standard. So, you know, we love to blame something and flour is that big variable and that's a big ingredient. But no, you're exactly right. We start to uh, blame what we can't see. Um, and that's just natural for people to do. Um, we blame things that are out of our control. Uh, the first assumption most people make is, well, it's not, you know, it's not something I did. Um, you know, and here we go again, know your oven. The oven panel that we had at the technical convention was one of the, my favorite uh, sessions and also one that was well attended. We had experts talking about how ovens worked in quite a bit of detail. And these sessions were aimed at the operator, uh, understanding what goes into product development and to make sure all the equipment is working properly. So we've been through direct fire gas ovens where we found half the burners were not working properly. And we wonder why it wasn't baking according to the, our anticipation. You know, what has changed in the oven? Has anything been modified? You know, I was interested one time, uh, one of the panelists asked if we made repairs and painted inside, did they use gray, silver, or black paint? And I thought, how trivial is that? But it's, it's significant. Mm -hmm. And you don't think of those things. I mean, the, the maintenance man that made those changes, he's, not, he's grabbing the color that's in the can that's closest to him. You know, it's not something we really think that much about. And nobody goes in to look at that. Um, we went through a project. We had the, uh, the fireboxes on an indirect fire really needed to be rebuilt. The bricks were falling apart. So we went in and rebuilt the burner box, and it was it was beautiful. New exhausts, new everything, new gas coming in. And the first batch of cookies we put through the oven were burned to a crisp. Huh. Uh, you know, what happened? What happened? Well, we did it again, and they still came burned. So we started doing some testing, and we found that the temperature probes were put in a different place when they replaced the uh, the oven bricks. So we were actually reading a different temperature than we were before. Nothing had really changed. It was, we changed our settings because we were getting a reading different than what we were getting before. Wow. Now that's, that's an extreme case, but you know, things like that can happen. Yeah. So we just had to readjust that and get it back where we knew it should be. So what do you think is harder to troubleshoot? A product that you've been making day after day, year after year, and then it comes out of the oven out of spec or a new product that hasn't been in production for very long and it comes out not as you anticipated it when when you were developing the product. And that's where to me R&D is not done until it's been perfected if you will in the plant. That is where if these chemical reactions are not happening as they anticipated it's really to me outside the scope of an oven operator to fix that. You know, it's something that they have to measure. Uh, you know, we, we take quality measurements, obviously, and there's no such thing as a good or a bad product to me. We measure taste, texture, and appearance. Marketing has a concept in mind, and they want it to taste like something, to look like something, and, and we need to, uh, we need to uh, copy that. 
Now, within that, there are certain parameters we need to meet with moisture, pH, uh, uh, water activity, and things like that. But we need to match what marketing had in mind. And if the product's not doing that, to me, that's more of an R&D tweaking in the plant than it is a, a, a problem of the plant. In any of these events, in any of these events, one word continues to come back to me, and that's consistency. You know, as we talked previously, consistency is in mixing is crucial. And we have new ingredients most times in some new products. Are they being handled properly? Are all the mixing instructions being followed exactly? Is the temperature correct on all the ingredients? So we do need to troubleshoot just like anything else. But if it involves that chemistry in the oven, it's more than just an operator issue. Yeah. And, you know, I was in sitting in that oven panel that you referred to. And I've seen a couple of oven panels at the technical conference. And it's one of my favorites because I'm always learning. I think that we should see more non-operators sitting in those panels to uh, hear and participate in those conversations. Not everyone understands what their part brings to the whole. Again, the maintenance person that, that paints that certain section of the oven inside may not understand the what's going on in the oven, or other people make adjustments or changes and they don't understand what's going on. So it is really important to understand the process by all the disciplines involved. Let's talk for a minute about the baking curve. That is something that I'm a journalist. I'm not a baker. So any of these panels. Joni, you keep getting, we'll get you on the line yet for good. <laughs> so I got to keep going to these, to these sessions and having these conversations so I can keep learning. So I, I'm always so fascinated by the baking curve. So I want to just ask you a couple of questions about that. And um, what are the variables that a baker needs to consider when it comes to the baking curve? And what are the attributes that are going to either impact the baking curve or be impacted by it? And that's what, again, the courses that are available, and, and, and not to drop an advertisement, but the ABA uh, courses that are available are written so that the people in the plants can understand exactly that. The metrics we look at in the oven are the heat flux, or the relationship between the convective and radiant heat. We look at temperature humidity, air velocity, and there are controls to control all those. So as the heat is directed in the oven, we do go through that baking curve, as you uh, so well know. And that curve is made up of three stages. The first is we set the product. We get the shape we need, and the moisture starts to get released from the product. And phase two is where we really bake it, take out the moisture, and set the final shape and size of the product. And in the third stage of the uh, baking curve is get the color. When we talk about ovens, we have to talk about the different types of ovens, too, because the most common are the direct fire gas and the recirculation uh, indirect. So those baking curves are significantly different. Airflow in the uh, direct fired gas is much, much less than in the um, indirect. And the temperature curve of the zones is more gradual than it is in an indirect. So when we think about certain things like yeast, we don't want to kill the yeast before it does its activity. Right. But when it's done, we do want to kill it. So, you know, that's crucial in that heat development inside the product of how that comes forward. The other things that are happening, obviously, if we have the last zone 
too hot and we crystallize the sugar, we're going to get some dark product. So all those things need to be considered as that heat is coming up in the product. The other thing we do is we have to cool it when we're done. So we don't want to have excess heat in it. We need to have enough heat to get the baking process completed and then need to cool it down to get it packaged. Do you think that that's something that bakers could overlook the cooling time and how it relates to the baking time? We need to have significant run out of the oven so we can get the product off the band. But after that, it's got to be ambient temperature to package it or there are problems that we're going to find otherwise. So a lot of folks do that with uh, spiral cooling. Uh, Some do it with ambient. Uh, Some go overhead. Some bring it back and forth. There are many, many ways to do it to save on real estate, but it's something that we are considering more and more. It's something we don't like to have to do, but it has to be done. Right, right. I've been in a couple of bakeries that really took advantage of hybrid ovens, and some of them were doing that to quote-unquote future-proof because it really provided more options for their product development in the future. Have you seen that trending? Hybrid ovens have been discussed for a long time. I go back, way back, and uh, we were looking at ways to do things. If, you know, getting color on product and getting highlights, uh, direct fire gas works real well for that. Uh, there are other things that work better for a, an indirect. But the hybrids are something that I think are making a great inroads recently in the industry. Another thing that's really coming to its own is a radio frequency, uh, getting the moisture out of the product using radio frequency, like a big radar range at the end of the oven. And that really saves on space. And it, it was tried back in the 80s. It worked somewhat successfully. I don't think it was as, as understood as it is today, but today there's no question that there's an application for that. Rapid changeover in ovens. I've, I've seen that being developed too, so that pans can almost be changed instantaneously and the product continue to run through an oven even though there's a changeover. And that's so important in the bread industry too, where we're running a, a full range of products every day. A changeover becomes a huge issue for that. Um, so I think, yes, it's really important that we continue to embrace technology. And I think that is where the product development people have a very strong input with the equipment manufacturers and interactions happen at trade shows and in labs. They've always been very uh, receptive to new ideas and therefore they can perfect the equipment that they're trying to get. So yeah, I, that, and it takes involvement from both sides, obviously. I think it's it's pretty amazing how now more than ever, there are conversations being had between the R&D specialist in a bakery and an equipment manufacturer. There aren't these little fiefdoms anymore. Everyone under, is starting to understand how each, each area of product development impacts another area or the next stage of development. And I think that's out of necessity, Joni, with the the bakers of the past who, you know, had their own peculiarities. They had their own way of doing things. Pick a sandwich cookie, for instance, the base cake on a sandwich cookie. Ideally, we'd make that on a direct fire on a mesh oven. Uh, Many, many people make that cookie on an indirect on a solid band oven. Um, They use docker pins to take care of the steam pockets. But if the product development person has a specific piece of equipment in mind that he's developing around, he or she is probably going to develop a little bit differently 
than if they had a, a green board on which to write. Um, over time, we've seen a lot of that through the pro uh, processing end on the depositing, uh, depositing from multiple layers, multiple ingredients into the cookie. But in the oven, I think what's happened recently is the equipment manufacturers have seen and they've developed their own labs and the, and the labs are extensive today. They're small bakeries at these manufacturers. And we see our development people going in there and, and working at length. And when they do that, uh, obviously the equipment engineers get to see what they're doing and they can have uh, lively discussions on what they're trying to accomplish. So I think some of those barriers that equipment held before, they are being broken and it will take some time to get some new equipment out there, but you know, it's coming. This episode is brought to you by Reading Bakery Systems, your trusted partner for innovative bakery and snack solutions. RBS offers the industry-leading Reading Thermal Scorpion 2 oven profiling system that can solve problems, improve your process, and validate your kill step. The Scorpion 2 offers a complete measurement system with the ability to capture the four key baking parameters, temperature, air velocity, heat flux, and humidity. It enables you to monitor in-process conditions in real time, giving you critical information to correct problems and maintain optimum process conditions. Reading Thermal's Scorpion 2 Profiling System. Learn more at readingthermal.com. So the next thing I want to talk about is the stories that I've heard. And I, I know you and I have talked about this several times in the past, and we touched on it with mixer operators in a previous episode, but I hear these stories about the oven settings being changed from shift to shift because one operator thinks he or she knows better than the shift before or the next shift. And the mere mention of that can just make a, a director of operations just cringe. So how does a bakery get all the shifts on board to maintain consistency through the oven settings? Very simple, Joni. We take all the knobs off the oven control. <laughs> I would love to do that sometime. Just put fake knobs so they can turn all they want and it doesn't affect anything. <laughs> But that happens everywhere. I mean, it happens on packaging equipment. It happens everywhere in the plant. But in the oven, it's it's more dangerous, I guess, because as you mentioned several times, you cannot see that. Uh, technology has really helped us in that arena. The uh, software that's driving the ovens today has levels of security on it so that the operator interface can make certain changes within certain limits. So they may be able to change temperature up and down 5%. They may be able to change some air movement, but they can't make huge changes. And the fact that the gold standard is still there, they come back to that. One problem we had before when we were on paper is the gold standard changed all the time. Mm. So if I'm running an oven and I make changes, they're allowable changes and get the product back into spec or get what I desired results, where do I start the next time? They typically start where they ended the last time. Yeah. So that becomes, quote, the new gold standard. And then we consider from there. And then if we make changes again, typically don't go back to the original formula. They go back to the previous one and make another change from that. 
So we can get way out of control with that. And that's where quality control comes in because they need to keep that gold standard and keep going back to that uh, and, and when they're on paper and make sure that they're always uh, using that as the uh, go-to formula. But today with the computers and the uh, software that's available, I've seen some great things. I was in a plant uh, doing some education, walked the line the day before the education was going on. And, and I looked at the controls and the lady had everything in the yellow. Now, obviously, yellow, green, and red, you'd anticipate that green is best, yellow's in trouble, and red is out of spec. Mm -hmm. So I said, you're about to lose control. She said, we are perfect. And I said, what do you mean? She said, we are perfectly in control. She said, everything is running right at the perfect edge of spec. And I talked to her further. She said, the packaging operator, the packaging supervisor, the mixers and the oven operator, the depositor operator, were a team that had worked together for a long time, and they knew exactly how to tweak that product so that it was right at the edge of spec, if you will, still well in spec, but instead of going out of spec, they were keeping it there and making the most efficient product they could. Uh, the weight was good. Everything else was good. But instead of running real, real conservatively in the green, and wasting product, wasting fuel. Um, they were running right where they needed to be. So um, it takes a team to do that. That one person could not do that by herself, but the whole team got together. And I asked her what happened if somebody new came into the process. She said, then we've got to adjust. We've got to go back into the green ways and allow for some variations. Wow, that's really interesting. I love hearing the stories of the bakers working together and understanding how they need to adjust should someone new come into the process. You know, Johnny, one thing that just always surprised me, I guess, is finding problems in the plant and people making adjustments. So you have a product that's getting a little bit too big in packaging. The packaging people start to adjust the equipment to make up for that larger product. They don't always check the spec first. They just start to make minor adjustments. And when the operator makes adjustments until the machine won't take any more adjustment, then they say, well, hey, we've got a problem here. It shouldn't happen that way. We should go back to root cause analysis and say, you know, the, the packaging machine did not make the product too big. You know, it happened somewhere back the line. But there seems to be this huge wall sometimes between the packaging room and the mixing room. And, and the oven is obviously the piece between that, but we don't have enough people going back and forth between the mixing area and the packaging area to understand what's going on in the whole process. And that always has surprised me because you can't fix something once it's gone past your stage of the process. And one education piece we went into, the, the director said, tell the people it's okay to dump a bad dough. Then I thought, well, that's obvious. And then I thought, well, maybe it's not so obvious. You know, they want to save the numbers. So what they do is they run a bad dough. They run it down the line. They've changed the oven to try to make up for it. They put it into packaging. It doesn't meet spec. So instead of throwing away a dough, they throw away a dough's worth of finished product in the package. And that's obviously a lot more expensive than throwing away the dough in the beginning. Hindsight is twenty twenty, and when you look back on that, then you see all the energy that you wasted producing it into a finished product. But I also can see, and I hear this a lot, that there is this fear of getting in trouble 
or being blamed for something. And so the natural inclination for a line worker can often be, let's just try to make it work instead of calling attention to it and having to throw it out. There's no question, Joni, that happens too often. So as far as training and communication, what are the steps that bakeries can take to overcome that school thought? Working together, obviously, is something that must be uh, encouraged. It must be developed. And those teams need to have confidence in each step of the process. And they should understand more than just their area. And again, going back to the education piece, that's one thing that I've seen come out of the education sessions that's been so successful. You know, for instance, when the the, uh, the person was cheating on the lay time on the dough, everybody on the line knew it was affecting them but they were really helpless to do anything about it. Um, they came back and, and, and asked about certain things that they might be able to do. And uh, later I heard that they did propose some things to management to help fix that. So, you know, that, that team effort is just required and, and not often enough is it fostered. The next thing I want to talk about, I want to kind of take it back to product development. As we're talking, it's so obvious, you know, that every stage of the process is part of new product development. But this particular episode, we are focusing on the oven and the oven is sort of the heartbeat or the the centrifuge of the line, would you say? No question. You know, the, the, the product development people are, again, as we said earlier, they're developing a product that's uh, set in the oven that takes the reactions from the chemistry that's happening in the oven to get the product that's desired. You know, that, that typical process is uh, marketing and management want to go a certain direction. Uh, let's say it's gluten-free, for instance, and they go to research and development, product development, and say, we need you to develop this product. Um, and here are the parameters we want to see. You know, we want it to be soft, we want it to be chewy, whatever. We want it to be dark, we want it to be highlighted, we want it to have a soft, whatever those things are. And then the product development person has to go back and put ingredients into that that react in the oven the way they need it to react to get the product. So again, as I said earlier, the oven is a real unique uh, step for us in a baking industry that separates us from so many other industries. Um, you know, we're not just mixing, we're mixing to get a desired effect in the oven. We get that desired effect in the oven by using the baking curve to cause those chemical reactions. You know, we activate the yeast and then we kill the yeast. We, we have starch swelling. We have other things that are happening. You know, we turn water to steam to get pockets in the, in the product. So all those things are happening as the person is developing that product. You know, do we put soda in it or do we not? And some of those are very minor ingredients in the scope of things, but they have a very specific need in the, in the oven. Mm -hmm. um, the developers also have to know what equipment is available. What are they working with? Uh, do they have only indirect fired solid bands to work with? Do they have only uh, rack ovens to work with? So they really need to consider that as they, uh, as they develop the process. I think equipment suppliers have done a great job, specifically more uh, of late, to develop equipment that meets some of the needs that our R&D people have. And we've seen these trends. And again, as I said earlier, that's happening in the labs of the equipment manufacturers. 
Uh, they get to see the product development people work on a product. They get to hear them talk about what they really need. And the engineers can get firsthand input into what we're trying to achieve. It's all about achieving the product that's desired by marketing and management. You know, a lot of R&D people, uh, and, I, and this is important too, will invent products, they'll work on things, they'll do a lot of things and present them. But if nobody buys into it, if marketing doesn't want to produce it, if the sales won't sell it, then it really doesn't go anywhere, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it could be a fantastic product, but it's a combination of that happening plus what they know they can do in the oven. So you answered my next question, basically, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And that's, I'm just trying to envision, you've been in these conversations that I, of course, will never be privy to, but what does it look like when a team is considering a new product and how do you decide what comes first? Like we want to invest in our equipment. We're going to you know, take the next step in new technology for an oven and what kind of products can we make with that new oven technology? Or is it, we want to develop these new products, what type of oven technology do we need? Um, how do you decide when your equipment, specifically your oven, is sufficient for new product development? How do you know when it's time to invest? Obviously, the direction of the company is is paramount um, from the corner office to know what direction we want to go as a company. And then keeping up with these trends and understanding what new equipment can do is an input to that. So in a marketing meeting, in an R&D meeting, they may talk about the things they would like to do but are not able to do because of equipment uh, limitations. Uh, that's one way that starts. The other way is re replacing old equipment. One comment was made one time about having a session at the technical conference about new technology, and someone made the comment, why would we do that? We don't have any new technology in our plants. Help us run this old stuff that we've got. So we're, we're going to be replacing a lot of things in the industry, and I know that the oven manufacturers are all busy. <laughs> uh, they're replacing things that are old, things that are coming out of commission. So as they do that, I know I was involved in a couple of projects where we knew we had to replace an oven, but the question became, what direction were we going to do? What did we need to consider in replacing that oven? So, and again, that comes from a concerted effort between all disciplines to understand what the objective is of the company. Right. It's so interesting. It's such a complex, staged sort of scenario. But it's fun, Joni. Baking is fun. <laughs> it is fun. It is fun. That's for sure. So Dave, these are all my questions talking about the oven. I love hearing your insight. I always learn so much from you and I love getting a refresher course on the baking curve. And especially when it comes to new product innovation, the oven, of course, like we've established is the mainstay of a baked product. But there are still so many new things going on and so many new things to learn, especially with new products. Absolutely. That's what makes it fun. Yes. So next week, we are going to talk about data collection. And that's something that is relatively new in our industry. So we're going to talk about all the ways that bakers can identify, collect, and analyze trending information, not only for the, the product, but also for the equipment. Joni, we'll talk next week. All right. And... 
I just want to remind our listeners that our final episode, you will be answering audience questions. So any listener that has a question for Dave can send us an email at info at avantfoodmedia.com. Dave, I look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks, Joni. Thank you for listening to the Troubleshooting Innovation Podcast. And a special thank you to our sponsor, Reading Bakery Systems. For more information on RBS and its industry-leading baked snack solutions, visit ReadingBakery.com.